You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Grateful. Grateful for your partnership. Um, I don't miss the sound of the subway, though. You know, it's just so loud. <laughs> uh, grateful to be here uh, this Sunday. Um, thankful to Pastor Greg, Pastor Stephen, the leadership uh, for having me here this Sunday. Uh, this is a sacred trust, and uh, I don't take this lightly. The team that came, the video that you just watched, it was a, a team from uh, the Summit Life Group, and uh, they came and blessed us the beginning of this month. It was tremendous, even as we went around this beautiful neighborhood of Jackson Heights, known to be the one city block that holds the world. And as we went to the nations, uh, sowing gospel seeds, witnessing, sharing the name of Jesus to many who have not heard before. Uh, we got to prayer walk the neighborhood, sweep the streets there, go under the subway, sing worship songs, give sanitizers, uh, go to community parks and engage with the kids, share Bible stories, uh, go to cafes and, and restaurants and be a blessing to them. It was a tremendous week that we had. We were able to go and say, the kingdom of heaven is here. And, and that's what we get to do in our partnership. So we're so grateful for you, Houston's First. I was so moved watching the baptism of Allison and Shauna. Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that wonderful? <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's amazing how only Jesus can transform lives. I want to quickly share with you two testimonies also from our church the Sunday that the team had come, we got to baptize several people. Let me share two stories real quick. One of them was from a Buddhist background. I'll change their names. Her name was Tenzing, or her name is Tenzing, from Nepal, the Sherpa people group, known to be people who, who are guides to the Mount Everest and other mountains there, the Sherpa people. Tenzing grew up as a Buddhist, that's all she knew. But even as she was living here in Queens, New York City, we got to befriend her and get to know her. She started coming to our apartment. Uh, in the beginning when she came, she actually wanted to persuade my wife to become a Buddhist. <laughs> Didn't work. Uh, <laughs> we kept loving on her. Uh, she's a brilliant young woman finishing up her uh, dental school right now. She's going to be a dentist soon. But as we kept sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as she began to read the word of God, the word of God did the work of God in her heart. When she came to Joshua 24, the word of God began to challenge her. And in Joshua 24, Joshua says this, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors or the true and the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as Tenzing read that, she came at a fork to decide whom is she going to worship. And praise be to God, she chose to worship Jesus Christ. And we got to baptize her, have a picture of, of her baptism. Amen. So Tenzing... She is the first follower of Jesus from her family. 
And it was a very emotional day because her mom is still very opposed. And yet she said, I, 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 I need to follow Jesus at a great cost. We also on that same Sunday got to baptize Rita from a Hindu background. I remember the first time I met Rita, she was quite vocal in opposing Christianity, had a lot of misconceptions and prejudice uh, against Christianity, um, you know, with her coming from a Hindu background. But as we journeyed with her, she came to a place in her life where she needed help. She needed a job. We prayed for her. And the true and the living God answered her prayers. And she was blown away by that. I remember her calling me saying, I want to take baptism. I almost wanted to respond by saying, are you sure? Because I, I just couldn't believe it. But the Lord Jesus did the work in our heart. And what a joy it was for us to baptize Rita that Sunday. I have a picture of her just praising the Lord. Amen. God is at work, Tenzing, Rita, Allison, Shana. Uh, this morning, uh, we got to baptize, uh, well, you all baptized Tamara. It was a powerful testimony. God is at work. It's amazing, church, but we should not be surprised because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this morning, that is what I want to share with you, that the church of Jesus Christ is not a human construct. No. Her chief architect and builder is King Jesus himself. God's plan A to reach the nations is the church, and he doesn't have a plan B. It's you and me that God has chosen to take this gospel and to rescue the nations so that they would turn from darkness and would be transferred into the kingdom of his son and our savior, Jesus Christ. When the COVID pandemic broke out, and in New York City, the worst hit neighborhood was our neighborhood, Jackson Heights, Elmhurst, and Corona in Queens. And there were many socioeconomic reasons for that as well. But I remember this discussion that was going on, which places are essential and which places are non-essential. And I'm not here to give a political stance on that. I want us to look at God's word in Matthew 16. Read God's word. And I want to share with you this morning why the church is essential. And here's the bottom line, brothers and sisters. The church is essential because the good news of Jesus Christ is essential. The church is essential because you are essential. The church is essential because your neighbor's soul is essential. This earth and everything in it is passing away. But the kingdom of God will stand. There'll be a day when companies 
organizations, institutions will end, but the church will remain. Let's look at Matthew 16, 13 through 21, and I'm going to read God's word for us. Matthew 16, 13 through 21. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Amen. This is God's word. Three reasons why the church is essential. Number one, the founder. Number two, the members. Number three, the mission. Let's look at the founder of the church. The word church in the Bible occurs here. The first time in Matthew 16. And it's uttered by no mere ordinary person. It is Jesus who first uses the word church. And he says, I will build my church. The setting and the backdrop, the location of that place is significant. I can emphasize more. How significant it is, it says in verse 13 that the name of the district was Caesarea Philippi and Jesus took his disciples there. Why? The name of the district was named after Caesar, the emperor of Rome, who self-proclaimed himself as God, even though he was a mere man. And King Herod named that district after Caesar. And there was even a temple there to honor Caesar. But that place, Caesarea Philippi, was also known to be the birthplace of the worship of this God called Pan, B-A-N, the God of fertility. So there were temples erected to the God of fertility. And that was a place where the river Jordan, it was streaming down, and along the banks of the river Jordan, paganism thrived. Gods and goddesses of all kinds in that Greco-Roman world. It is in a backdrop like that 
Caesar, God Pan, paganism, all sorts of religion where Jesus is asking this question, who do you say I am? It's almost like me coming from New York City to downtown Houston and asking you, where is the best barbecue in Houston? I don't think that'll be a safe question to ask. It's like you coming to Jackson Heights in Queens and asking in the South Asian community, where is the best curry in Jackson Heights? There will be a riot in our neighborhood if you ask that question. Jesus is standing there in that backdrop of deities and idols and paganism. And the answer to that question is what gives birth to the church. Who do you say I am? And Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Notice what is the response of Jesus. Jesus says, Peter, you did not come up with that idea. He was very kind not to say you are not that smart. No, Jesus didn't say that. But Peter wasn't. <laughs> Jesus says, the Father has revealed this to you. And to everyone sitting here, and even at Siena, Cyprus, downtown, online community, for those of you who recognize Jesus Christ as the Son of God, it was not because of your good life. It was not because of your intellect. It was not because of your brilliance. It was not because of your effort. But the revelation of God to show you that you need a Savior and that Jesus Christ is the Son, the Son of the living God. This is God's work. And that's why Christians... We should be the most humble people, but at the same time, the most confident people. That's what the gospel does. It's in that background, you see Jesus, the founder of the church. Jesus is not just a prophet or a good moral teacher, but he is the Christ. That is not his last name. Christ means the chosen one, the anointed one. His name Jesus, Yeshua, means the one who comes to save. What is it that you are carrying? What is it that is too difficult for you? Even as Kevin, when he was baptizing Shana, reminded us of Luke 137, for with God nothing shall be impossible. This God is mighty to save. It doesn't matter what background you come from. Jesus Christ is mighty to save. Salvation is in only one name, the name of Jesus. He is not just a teacher or a prophet. He is the Christ. I want you to listen to this. In every other religion, the founder or the prophet says, I am here to show you how to find God. But Jesus says, I am God who has come to find you. Every other prophet or guru, like in India, I was born and raised in India the first 20 years of my life, a land that has more than 330 gods and goddesses. But when you look at every other religion, 
Those founders and teachers, they come along and say, well, let me point you to the way. But Jesus, he comes and he says, I am God and I've come here to find you. That's why in Matthew 1, it begins this way. In Matthew 1, it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Everyone say Emmanuel. God with us. When he is born as a baby, wise men from the east, probably from Iran, from Iraq, maybe Pakistan or India, they are the first ones to come and to worship the Son of God. He is the founder of the church. And it is on this foundational apostolic truth, I will build my church that you and I stand upon. You and I, we find our identity in this church that Jesus is building. Before I move to my second point here, let me read for you a quote from the great French general and emperor Napoleon. Towards the end of his life, he said this while he was still in exile. And I quote, I know men, and I tell you, Jesus Christ was not a mere man. Superficial minds see a resemblance between Christ and the founders of empires and the gods of other religions. That resemblance does not exist. There is between Christianity and other religions the distance of infinity. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires. But on what did we rest the genius of our, the creation of our genius? What did we rest upon? Upon sheer force. Jesus Christ alone founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men will die for him. That was the reflection of Napoleon the Great. Jesus founded the church not upon force, upon love. He is our founder. And we are his members. That's my second point. I love how Jesus says, I will build my church. You know, one way I love to introduce Lisha Joseph is she is my wife. Tomorrow, Lisha and I, we celebrate 13 years of marriage. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, and I have a song written out for her. I hope she's not listening. But uh, if, if an imperfect bridegroom can display so much love, how much more the perfect bridegroom? Listen, church. In all of our imperfections, when Jesus looks at you, at you, at you, Cyprus, Siena, downtown online community. When Jesus looks at you, he looks like a bridegroom who longingly looks at the bride walking down the aisle. We may be broken. We may be messed up. But it is he who washes us, who cleanses us, who redeems us, who makes us his own. We are his members. Imagine a wedding where everyone is there. The friends are there. The people have come. The pastor is there. The bridegroom is there and the bride doesn't show up. 
Will there be a wedding? The bride is essential. Jesus loves his bride. But I do want to say this. As beautiful of of an image that might be of us being his bride. I know that there are many this morning. For whom your experience at church has been anything but lovely. There are many of you here this morning. Maybe you, you, you are carrying deep hurts. Wounds. Maybe even traumatic exp- abuses. From people you trusted and looked up to. Maybe even in church members. And I just want to say this to you this morning. If that's you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you have gone through a horrible experience in church. We are an imperfect bunch of people because the church is you and me. But listen, we have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd who laid down his life for us. We have a good shepherd who knows his sheep. He leaves the one. He leaves the 99 to take care of that one. He cares for you. The book of of, uh, Ephesians says he is the head of the church who cares for the body. In Ephesians 1, 22, 23, this is what the word of God says. And God placed all things under his care and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Listen. Just like when you are hurt, when your body is hurt, the brain sends signals where all of the body would pour out their resources and reinforcements to that wound. Are you wounded this morning? Are you hurting this morning? The head of the church is not human. He is God himself. He is the God-man, Jesus Christ, and he cares for you. He will supply his grace and his healing into your heart. This morning, if you are hurting, please don't walk away the way you came. We will have a time of prayer at the altar. I want to invite you. The church is a place of healing. We are his members. But lastly, the church is called to be on mission. On mission. Jesus says, look at verse 18 B onwards. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Can I ask you this question? What is the first image that comes to your mind when you hear the word church? It often is a building. The word here in Greek is ecclesia. That's a good word. Ecclesia. And the word ecclesia literally means an assembly or a gathering of people. It doesn't mean building. It means people. 
The word ecclesia was already used in the Greco-Roman world. It was actually a, a powerful political term. Ecclesia. A New Testament scholar puts it this way. The ecclesia was the principal assembly of the democracy of ancient Athens. The assembly was responsible for declaring war, military strategy, and electing officials. It was responsible for nominating and elect electing magistrates. It had the final say on legislation and the right to call magistrates to account after their year of office. The ecclesia, in other words, and I want you to hear this, I hope you remember this. The ecclesia was really the legislative assembly of that city, or what we call maybe a town hall. When Jesus is saying, you are my ecclesia, what is he saying? He is saying, Houston's first, you are my town hall of heaven in Houston. You are the town hall of heaven in Houston. When you pray, what you bind here is bound in heaven. When you pray and what you lose here is loose in heaven. This is tremendous authority that God has given to his church. I have no doubt that what happened at the Supreme Court is an answer to prayer. Amen. It's an answer to prayer. And Houston's first, I just want to encourage you, even as God has called us on mission, is this. As citizens of earth, we are called to put our votes, and I hope you do. But you are also citizens of heaven, and I want to encourage you, even as you put your votes, Put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And he has chosen you and me to be his ambassadors. To be his ambassadors. Notice in that, in that verse there, gates of hell is plural. It means stronghold of darkness, of injustice, of wickedness, of trafficking, of racism. Gates of darkness where the enemy has blinded people. But behold, church, God has given his church the keys of the kingdom to go into those gates of hell and to rescue people out of them. The church is called to be on the offense, not on the defense. Gates of hell, gates don't move. The church is the one that moves in. Are you moving in? Are you moving out into places of darkness? Let me close with a couple of stories. You know, I shared this with the leaders early this year, but I don't think I've shared this here at our church of how the gospel came to my people. I was born and raised in India the first uh, 20 years of my life. Our people were called Nagas by our neighbors, the naked ones, because we were, 
warriors and headhunters. 16 tribes fighting with one another. Church, what we deserved was the wrath of God, the judgment of God. God should have just wiped us out given our bloody history. But rather than sending judgment, God sent a missionary, an ordinary church member. And a missionary came to our land. He was just 27 years old. Miles Bronson came in 1839. God did a work among our people. The gospel changed lives. Today, when you go to my state in Nagaland, it's a mountain filled with churches all over the place. And, and in a given morning like today, there will be churches filled with people worshiping Jesus. And Nagaland now is called the most Baptist state in the world. Hallelujah. The most Baptist state in the world. Only God can do this. Notice the people are no longer naked. We are clothed in righteousness and we are, we are also transformed now. The missionary that came to our land, you know who he was? He was a New Yorker. A New Yorker came to our land in 1837. This morning, Houston's first, you have a Naga church planter in New York City because a New Yorker came to my land hundreds of years ago. Only God can do this. Now in our church, God is doing incredible things. Only God. People like Tenzing, Rita, I have a picture of a Hindu family. The whole family came to know Jesus. They came from an idol worship background. And now, next month in July, this family is going back to their village to start a church in their home. Hallelujah. I have a picture of that. It may be a difficult name, but remember Lal Gopal Ganj. That's the name of the village where next month, God willing, Raju and their family in the midst of opposition are going to start a church in their home. Just last week, we were praying in their tiny little apartment. I have a picture of us praying. That paper is filled with names of people, their relatives, their neighbors who are still worshiping idols, but they are praying that they will come to know Jesus, the true and the living God. Amen. Amen. Only God can do this. But let me close with this. God is doing this even in Houston. I am staying in Houston and every time I come to Houston, I stay with an amazing family and I can say so much about them. Robbie and Connie Shillop. I'm using their real names, by the way. <laughs> Robbie and Connie Shillop, they came up many years ago to Jackson Heights and love our neighbors. And, and uh, you know, they received the training. And really, you know, they, they are so zealous for the work of the Lord. Wherever they go, they share the gospel. Not too many weeks ago, they shared the gospel with an Uber driver who was from India. An Uber driver. 
That conversation was so powerful. God did something. This week, they were at the Uber driver's home to have dinner. They invited Robbie and Connie to their home to have dinner. Hallelujah. This is amazing. This Indian family are Hindus. And yet, they received Robbie and Connie to come and share with them. God is at work and he is using ordinary people like you and me, Miles Bronson, Robbie and Connie. Let me finish with this. What will motivate us to live like this? Look at verse 21 of Matthew 16. Because I want to I motivate you. What will ultimately motivate you? My words alone will not. Testimonies alone will not. But verse 21 will. Look at verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. The reason you and I can enter into the gates of hell is because Jesus, the Son of God, came down into this world. He lived a perfect life. He obeyed all the laws of the Lord. And yet, on the cross, He died the death that you and I deserved. On that cross, He defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated Satan. And because he is raised from the dead, listen, those who are followers of Jesus, now we can enter into the gates of hell. For what can we be afraid of? Death has been defeated. Jesus came. He rose. He is coming back again. And this is what motivates us. To enter into darkness. To rescue the nations. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I just want to finish with this altar call. This morning, if you do not know this Jesus, He changed my life. He saved my grandfather who was a Hindu. He changed the destiny of our family. What about you? Would you also join Join these wonderful people who have come to know the Lord. Shauna, Allison, have you taken baptism? Do you know Jesus? Have you repented of your sins? I want to welcome you this morning before you leave. Get right with God. He died for you. He loves you. But secondly, I also want to invite some of you. Listen, you are hurting. And there have been some deep wounds in church 
with Christians. Once again, I'm so sorry if you have gone through that. But this morning, can you come to the healer? Come to Jesus. He loves you. He loves you. Can we stand together? Let's stand together. Jesus, we worship you because you purchased us by your precious blood. Everything else will fade away, but your word and your kingdom will not be shaken. And we are yours, Lord. We are yours. We are your children. God, I pray that we will stay steadfast, immovable, and finish well. If there is anyone here, Lord, that doesn't know you, would you please soften their hearts? That they will come to you. Save them, Lord. Lord, if there is anyone here hurting, would they receive healing from you? God, I also want to pray for many of us who have been Christians for a long time. And we are in the light, but we have forgotten gates of hell. We have forgotten places of darkness. And you want to use us. So I pray that today we will commit ourselves again. Dedicate ourselves to be the church. Not just to attend church, but to be the church in our workplaces. Wherever you put us, with our neighbors and friends. So use us this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.